This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the niche details of modern warfare and underreported conflict with me, Jake Hanrahan. Today we're speaking to a man named Locke. He's a local reporter, born and raised and currently still living in Hong Kong. He's going to give us an idea of the social and legal shift that we're seeing now in the aftermath of what can only be described as Hong Kong's failed uprising, to be honest. It's a very dodgy situation. There's a lot of uh, authoritarian laws coming in. Locke's going to give us an idea of what's actually happening there on the ground. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash popularfront. So we, we know about obviously all the clashes in 2019 uh, in Hong Kong between, you know, people protesting, the frontliners against the state, you know, trying to bring Hong Kong closer to China, um, the dissolution of certain freedoms and democracies there. Now it's 2021. It's a good two years later. Um, what is going on right now? I know we've recently seen certain people in the press have been arrested. The Apple Daily, a pro-democracy newspaper, has been shut down. You're a local resident. Um, you're a journalist there. You know about the situation. Maybe just fill us in. What is going on right now? Um, the truth is uh, there isn't a lot going on politically. Um, since the enactment of the national security law last year in July... Um, pretty much uh, all the prominent pro-democracy uh, politicians have been rounded up and put in jail. Um, they have not yet been convicted of, of a crime, but many of them have been sitting in jail for months now. And their, uh, their bail is being repeatedly denied. So, um, and also there's been a lot um, going on from China's end, in you know, enacting new laws and also uh, bringing Hong Kong's uh, election to a different, uh, you know, different form, basically. Uh, if you've uh, kept kept up with the news, you know that you know half of the Legislative Council, which is kind of like Hong Kong's Parliament, has been emptied out because uh, people were forced to resign. Uh, because basically they had to take an oath and say they, they swear loyalty to China, which uh, they didn't want to do. So they uh, quit. And now they were no longer lawmakers and they were, you know, put into jail. And so now it's a bit weird, politically speaking, in Hong Kong, because you, you kind of are dealing with a carcass situation. Uh, nothing really is working. Um, there isn't any resistance to any government policies. And so it's kind of approaching a a pretty ideal form of what China would want Hong Kong's, uh, you know, political system to be. It sounds like everything that the protesters said will happen is slowly starting to happen. I mean, would you say that's accurate or is that a little bit dramatic? Um, I think it is kind of still... I mean, obviously a lot of things that happen has... Uh, upset many people in Hong Kong, as you've said, the uh, Apple Daily has been forced to shut. Um, there's been over 10,000 arrests related to the protests. But really, in terms of uh, the, you know, the, the public side of the protest, you know, the public side of, um, po you know, oppositional politics in Hong Kong has been put into a kind of like a headlock. 
because there's also COVID, which means that there's you cannot protest. Actually, you can't gather outside. You can't even do anything more than four persons outside right now,、uh, without being you know risking being arrested or getting fined. So. I would say that it is difficult to tell. You know, once you know, one would think that sooner or later they will have to say, "Okay, COVID is over," and so all of these restrictions will have to go. But obviously,、um, I think most people know in their hearts of hearts that you know, even if that happens, they're going to do something else to 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 limit your、um, you know your ability to do anything out in the public. Yeah, no, definitely.、Um, maybe、uh, explain to us、um, the situation with the Apple Daily. What is the Apple Daily? What has happened?、Um, the reason I ask that is because I think that is kind of a perfect example of where this is all heading. You know what I mean? When you start shutting down newspapers, when you start arresting journalists, you know it's it's totalitarianism characterized. There's no other word for it, in my opinion. You know, maybe just explain to us what's going on. Apple Daily is a、um... Newspaper founded 26 years ago. Actually,、uh, it was founded by like Jimmy Lai, who is a、um, he he was he has been a businessman for quite some time. And his、uh, his version of the story is that he started Apple Daily because of what happened in Tiananmen Square in 1989, when Beijing、uh, cracked down on a、uh, student-led protest、uh, that was quite you know the biggest.、Uh, Pro-democracy movement in China we've seen,、um, you know, for quite some time, and so it it has been characterized as one of the most outspoken newspaper in Hong Kong, and in 2019 it definitely took on a very hardline pro-protest stand.、Um, it would also it would go as far as telling people, you know, suggesting people should join the protest.、Uh, Uh, albeit the ones that were、uh, peaceful at the time, and also they、um, they published a lot of editorials、um, that were in favor of the protest. So I think their character is very what people in Hong Kong would characterize them as deeply yellow. Yellow being the color for the、uh, pro-protest camp, and people who were anti-protest were put into the blue blue camp. You know, people who were pro-police. Pro government, they are in the blue camp. So Apple Daily has been quite controversial since、um, you know its、uh, establishment, basically. And I was taught in school in journalism that you know Apple Daily was、uh, the reason why、uh, journalism in Hong Kong changed. You know, it became more aggressive, and it's、uh, it's also notorious for its、um, paparazzi.、Um, uh, it also ran a magazine that were quite that can be quite sleazy at times, but I think really, to if you ask somebody in twenty twenty one, you know, they would say that Apple Daily is a is is known for being shut down for its stance,、uh, political stance,、uh, and and so you know,、um, there's really no two ways about it. And and apart from Apple Daily, after what happened to it, we've seen independent media of a smaller scale,、uh, you know, taking steps to. Trying to mitigate their risks, you know, deleting old footage, deleting old editorials, and and some outrightly just saying that they're no longer a media, and and so the effect is quite widespreading and is still ongoing. 
Well, maybe just backtrack a minute. Like, what actually happened to the Apple Daily? Because certain people have been arrested. It's even been closed down, right? Yep. So there has been a rumor for a few months now that they are going to close down Apple Daily before July first. July first being、um, the day that marks Hong Kong's return to China. And so、um, previously,、uh, they have tried. They have、um, arrested Jimmy Lai, who who owns Apple Daily, on a national security charge. And they've also arrested and、uh, a few of his、uh, top rank editors, and also raided the news、uh, newsroom.、Uh, I think sometime last year in August, and recently in in、um, this month, what happened was that they raided Apple Daily again, and then this time、um, froze all their assets,、uh, saying that you know the the media has become. Uh, in their own words, a tool of、um, subversion or、uh, you know a national security threat. So they have arrested more editors and also froze the assets such that they cannot pay wages to workers and also cannot can no longer print、um, their newspaper. And so they published their last、uh, newspaper on June twenty sixth, if I'm not mistaken. And so it was quite a phenomenon because、um, they printed a million copies, and and you know what I saw was that people were queuing to buy you know the last issue of Apple Daily, which is a phenomenon because people in Hong Kong are not that into buying newspapers. <laughs> so you see people from all walks of life, you know, you people who are construction workers, people who are. You know,、uh, um, in like business attire, just queuing in the rain,、uh, which kind of romanticized the whole thing. But that's really what happened. You know, people were trying to get a hold of a copy. I think China said, or the police in Hong Kong said, that they only sold twenty thousand copies, and then from everyone else is like, no, apparently they sold a million, right? No, they printed a million. They definitely sold more than. I don't know.、Uh, I have not seen that claim, but they definitely sold a lot because. Uh, people all over the place are saying that it's you know it's sold out, and I I personally saw people queuing for like a a huge stack of them. It's not even like a a normal shipment. They had to pull it off with like a you know a vehicle, <laughs> so that such you know is is that crazy? So yeah. Um, and I think as well they so they arrested、um, I think yesterday a guy called Fung Wai Kong right he was one of the Apple Daily、yeah. journalists he was arrested at the airport like that sounds really extreme like why would they bother doing that This is not the first time actually they've made arrest at the airport against protester and you know、um, and politicians and. So I, it it didn't really surprise me, but obviously to people outside it is pretty extreme. And the the guy was supposedly in charge of the English version of Apple Daily, which I, I don't think it ran for a long time. I, I think it could be around a year. So he was in charge of that division, and he was trying to leave Hong Kong, and he was arrested,、um, and you know,、uh, at at the airport, which is quite scary actually. Right.、Um, well, let's talk about that. A lot of people are leaving. Right? Are there any estimates、uh, as to how many people have actually 
like you know fled Hong Kong. A lot, I know a lot of people are apparently going to come to England. I think our government has said people can come, but they're not exactly being very helpful with it. From uh, from what I understand from a friend of mine, but there seems to be a lot of people have left. Right? Um, can that is that felt? Like, can you feel that people want to leave now? Uh, this is definitely felt. I know personally families who are leaving. Um, but if you want hard facts, I think in the last year, Hong Kong recorded its first decrease in population size. Um, it is a census data is from the government. So exactly how many how many people has left uh, since you know last year up to this point? We really don't have a figure, and we will unlikely have one. Um, but you can see from you know just the census data that you know the population has actually shrunk, which hasn't, which does not really happen in Hong Kong, because there's a lot of immigration from China and from other places. So um, what I'm trying to say is, you know, if you're an average Hong Kong person, you know families, you know, multiple who are leaving Hong Kong, and they have pretty good like steady income, a good job. You know, place to leave, and and these are middle class people who are trying to say, you know, I don't want my kids to grow up here, so I'm leaving. Uh, but there are also earlier, I think, you know, people who are uh, involved in the protests or more prominent politicians. Um, they like Ted Hoi from uh, the Democratic Party. You know, these people have also left. So there is definitely a felt. Um, absence you know of these people uh people you know personally and you know that they are leaving which is uh pretty you know pretty shocking in some sense yeah um and you were talking about july 1st right what happens on july 1st um july 1st is normally when the hong kong government tries to celebrate the return of hong kong from british to uh you know chinese rule so uh, traditionally, there is always celebrations, uh, but this time is kind of different because it's uh, this year is the the hundred year of the establishment of the CCP. So actually, uh, the chief executive is in Beijing right now, and you know she is among other Chinese officials for the official celebrations. And Hong Kong is left in charge by John Lee, who is the latest chief. Uh, chief secretary and he was previously the security minister <laughs> and he was also a cop when he was a younger it's hard to gauge it from the outside just looking at the news and whatever um, but would you say now that like Hong Kong has completely changed like it went from free or whatever to something completely different now or is it kind of in between like how is it I mean the average person would feel that things are different. Um, just yesterday they arrested uh, a man who had a sticker on his gate uh, on you know you know outside his apartment uh, that was deemed subversive and that is definitely not something that you would expect to happen in Hong Kong say if you dial back two years ago and also just the general mood you know um, I would say that you know Hong Kong is has always been uh, kind of in, in in like a awkward situation. It's not exactly you know entirely capitalist. It, I mean, it's entirely capitalist, but it's is being pulled by you know different 
powers trying to shape it into one form and the other. And it, it is pretty clear to me personally that one side has come out more um, victorious. And so, you know, Beijing has, has this time during COVID to really do a lot of uh, things in Hong Kong that changes how it is, basically. Um, so, yeah, I don't think we would be living in the same conditions as before. Um, and what happened to all the frontliners? You know, they were very well organized. I was on the ground with them. They were extremely passionate. And now, you know, they're nowhere to be seen. Um, I know quite a lot of them were arrested. I guess some of them have left. I mean, is there even talk about them anymore? Like, what's the situation with them now over there? So there has been a few high-profile um, high arrests dealing with some of the... Um, you know, the hardcore or the hardcores, you know, they were called the Dragon Slayers. And they, they were a bit, um, I guess, for lack of a better word, they're the more militant side of the of the protesters. And they've been caught and they are currently in, in trial. So just for context, they arrested over 10,000 people and uh, a quarter of them has since been prosecuted. Uh, among them, uh, 700 plus were charged rioting. So uh, I guess to answer your question, where are the hotliners? You know, a lot of them are currently in, you know, in custody um, or in court. And some I, I, I know have left for Taiwan and for uh, the US and other places. And so it is, um, you know, it, uh, and also all the forms of communication with the telegram and, you know, signal uh, especially Telegram, you know, it's, it's, it's gone, you know, no longer anybody is trying to do anything on Telegram because they have arrested people who uh, were admins of Telegram groups uh, and they've cracked into some of their messages and some of their contacts. So I think that's one reason why people no, are no longer trying to organize anything. Uh, on Telegram. Jesus. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned there Taiwan, um, saying some frontliners have gone there. I've heard rumors that there are frontliners that have gone to Taiwan to train, to train like, you know, paramilitarily. Um, I don't know if it's just rumors or bullshit. I don't know. But have you heard anything like that? No, but um, I've read reports about how you know, at the the group I mentioned, the Dragon Slayers. You know, some of them have actually landed in Taiwan, but from what I've read, it seems like they are trying to find bearings. You know, they're trying to get a hold of the situation and see how they can survive in this new, you know, new uh, circumstances. So I don't, I am not sure if that is true, and also. Um, I think even even if you look at the most violent episodes of 2019, you know it was pretty sh pretty sure that you know uh, just judging on on equipment and and fire firepower, you know there's no way the protesters could have you know um, overpowered the the police because they had armored vehicles, they had guns, they they had all sorts of weaponry. So you know I personally do not think it is. Uh, that that far out just yet you know mm -hmm. i mean when i was speaking to them i think a thing that a lot of them knew almost it was like they knew they wouldn't win in the sense of 
oh, we'll topple the state. But it, to me, they were just like, we have to fight, even if we don't win. You know what I mean? Uh, I did hear that kind of talk. That was quite interesting. Um, tell me about these, this Dragon Slayers group. Um, I've been out the loop. This is the first time I've heard of this group. So you said it's like a particularly militant group of the frontliners. Like, what do you know about them? I think they were involved in a few incidents, whereas uh, there were claims of them attacking the police. And there are also claims of them having, you know, a, actual uh, weapons. What, what, like what, firearms? I think, I think that was the case. Um, there was a, an arrest in, in, in an area in Hong Kong where they caught somebody with, an, uh, with a firearm. And so from, like, I have never had personal, uh, con, you know, I've never talked to them before because... Uh, I wasn't that into uh, the part where, you know, I wasn't that in, into all that part of contacting with the hotline or the uh, hardcore protester. I was more involved in other work. But from what I know, uh, they were involved in some of these incidents and uh, some of them were involved in the PolyU siege where uh, the police were uh, besieging a university in Hong Kong, uh, the Polytechnic, uh, and in that instance, a lot of them were actually arrested, and that led to them, uh, kind of like the demise of them, because uh, most of them got arrested, and some of them actually subsequently fled to other places, so I don't think they are, you know, just judging from that, I don't think they have the capacity to operate in Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, do people still talk about them, though? Because it was, at the time, such an insane event, such a big deal. I remember even friends I had in Hong Kong were saying, like, uh, don't bother coming. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to throw Molotovs or anything. And then, like, two weeks later, it was, like, chaos. You know what I mean? And even people in Hong Kong I knew were very shocked. I mean, does that kind of... I don't want to sound romantic, but does that like, you know, the legend of the frontliners live on, if you like? Or is it just like, done, everyone's forgotten it? I don't think people have forgotten about it. It's just that in many, many sense, people are in their shells right now. Because people don't want to talk about, not even the most, you know, eye-catching or the most violent or the most, you know... uh surprising or most impactful part of the protest people are just trying to not really talk about the protest in general um in the public you know people may discuss what happened in private but obviously on social media and everything you know people are not as willing to talk about it because just they don't know uh who's gonna read them out because um another piece of interesting info for you uh so they have an NSL, National Security um, Division in, 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 in the Hong Kong police right now, and they claim to have received uh, 100K in, in uh, intel, you know, um, 100,000 tips, if you like, to, to that particular department in six months. <laughs> so people are paranoid and they don't want to, you know, talk about things. I mean, that's really dark. Like, that is... I know you're saying, like, oh, it's 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 not, like, really, really bad there now. You know, like, you, you, you feel okay to talk openly about the situation. But the fact people are scared to even speak in the street, really, you know, and f sounds like they're worried about informers. 
I mean, that's like Stalin level shit. You know what I mean? That is very different to what Hong Kong was just two years ago. Well, let me tell you this. I always feel like there's this strange parallel, you know? Like I can still go to the shops, I can use my credit card, I can do all these things, but in deep down in my mind, I know, you know, there's this, um, you know, there there's this worry in, in, inside myself that, you know, you say the wrong things or you, you, you talk to the wrong person, you know, you could let in jail. Um, so I don't know how to describe this strange feeling to you, except that because um, I've, I've also been reading a lot about the Soviet Union and, and I see a lot of parallels in there. Like, it's not like you, you're unable to live alive in, in, you know, in Soviet Union times, but, you know, it's a strange kind of life and it, you have to uh, contend with a lot of these strange complexities that's, that comes with it, you know. How does that feel for you? You know, you were local, you were born and raised there, right? You grew up there and now even as a reporter but like now even just as a person life is very different for you now you know you got to watch what you do watch what you say even though i know you don't hold any militant you know you're not a militant you're not violent nothing like that even then you, you still have to kind of watch what you're saying like how does that just feel on a personal level to you it is a very strange experience and um, i mean this is, I think, one of the main reasons why a lot of people are leaving, if not contenting about leaving, is because you, you feel like, you know, um, if there's a ticking time bomb or there's threats everywhere that, you know, one minute you can be living a perfectly normal life and the next minute you're not, you know. And especially for journalists, right, because they, uh, some of them have worked with uh, foreign media outlets and some of them are still working with foreign media outlets and if you know that the end the national security law actually has a lot of you know a lot of uh, ways to 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 frame somebody as um, you know how do they uh, colluding with foreign forces and so it is very for lack of a better word I can only think say it is very strange you know I, I can do all these very normal things that I've been doing all my life, but then there's always um, a hint of uh, danger in everything. Uh, as a, Okay, so the day Apple Daily was, uh, got into trouble recently, I texted my, my friend uh, who is a worker there. I've known him for a few years, and he's a journalist that I you know, very much respect. And, you know, I think one of the things he said really just encapsulated everything. He said, you know, thank you for, uh, for, for your concerns. Uh, for now, I'm fine. You know, the for now part really is what really kills it, you know. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I really, I feel bad for you, man. Like, I mean, certainly I'm not saying that where I live in Britain is like some kind of den of freedom. God knows our, our government is, is really trying to erode our freedoms. But no one cares. Everybody just cares about instagram and pretending they have money unfortunately but it does sound very sad and it does sound very worrying you know even being there two years ago i was openly filming whatever we wanted to there was no restrictions now that even the public has restrictions it's like wow what a u-turn you know what i mean um how far do you think this this will go do you think is there any signs that this is maybe this will just be it now and, you know, they'll leave it as it is? Or do you think maybe this will continue, this will get more, you know, things will get more strict, maybe? Um, 
I mean, there are incentives for Beijing to be extra hotline right now because it's the hundred year celebrations, and they don't want anything to go wrong. That's very. That's very much uh, one of the reasons. And the second being that um, I think Hong Kong is weird for them because Hong Kong is still connected to a lot of other places. You know, you don't need a VPN to access most of the websites in in uh, you know on the web. But then also it means that it's harder to get a grip on Hong Kong because it's not you know a, an, an enclosed environment. So it's very hard to tell. I think what. We are really anticipating um, to see is how all these national security cases would uh, pan out. Because, frankly, the, there has no has not been precedence, um, and also uh, some of the cases are a little bit more ambiguous. So, I think that outcome would 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 really set the mood for uh, the years to come. Just from just from an outsider's perspective. It, it it doesn't look good. You know what I'm saying. It, it doesn't look good, and I think if the kind of track record of the CCP is anything to go by, I can't see that they're going to do any reversal of this situation in Hong Kong right now. Do you see what I'm saying? It, I don't know. It doesn't look good. As as a journalist, how do you feel doing your job now? Are you not worried that you know you're just going to get to a point where you might have to leave? I think most of the journalists in Hong Kong would not say they regretted ever getting into. This occupation, um, so you know what we are trying to do is just to continue doing the things we've always been doing. You know, because uh, Hong Kong has had a very strong journalism uh, industry, and and so some of the most open um, systems in 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 which people were able to do investigative journalism and very good journalism for years. Uh, obviously, some of that tools has been taken away from us, uh, but I think people who are staying, are, you know, trying to continue to tell the Hong Kong story. Because, in some sense, like you know, from an outside perspective, it's very easy to say that oh, Hong Kong is dead. You know, if you go on MIT, you know, ninety percent of what they're saying about Hong Kong is that oh, it's it's fucked. You know, I mean, it is fucked. But you know, people are still living here, so and 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 for as long as there's somebody living here, you got to tell this story. So, I guess that's what we're trying to do. Uh, but obviously, there are um, concerns among us that you know uh, that I frankly I don't think can be addressed in any time soon. So, everybody just have to make their own decisions, right? Sure. Um, and, you know, you are a local, you're not You're not uh, an expat, you're not someone that's in and out, lives most of their life in Brooklyn or whatever. You're in Hong Kong, you've been in Hong Kong. What do you want people to know about the situation? Because like you just said, everyone's saying, oh, well, it's fucked. It is fucked, but there's more to it, you know? Like, what, what would you want people to know? I mean, I would, you know, it is very, there's a language barrier to read about Hong Kong, obviously, because... The uh, writings in English mostly deals with um, the broader topics, you know, and also it kind of generalizes a lot of things. So, but I mean, Hong Kong is still producing a lot of cultural products, right? There's people making music, there's people making movies, uh, there's people making documentaries and all kinds of stuff. So just, I would like people not to treat Hong Kong people as like a, you know, a dead subject, you know? 
they are still living, they are still creating things, they're truly trying to, you know, make make the best out of the current situation. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of weird, because when I read about Myanmar, there's also the same barrier for me, because I can only read what is in English from there, and it's, I mean, it's very hard to get a grip on the local situation, you know. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, what What's the situation now with the police? I, I remember at the time being there, they very openly, clearly wanted not only to stop the protesters, but to kind of get revenge on them, specifically the English expats that were still there. Very nasty bastards. Like I saw them, they wanted to hurt people. You know, it's very clear, but you know, it's an open conflict in a way. So that's how it goes. But what's this situation like now? Are the police kind of chilled out? Are people, you know, are people engaging with them again? Or, you know, what's it like? I don't think uh, people who cut ties with the police in 2019 is going to, you know, be friendly with them anytime soon. Uh, judging from the experience from 2014 when, uh, you know, there was another protest, the Occupy Central thingy. Um, you know, back then there was a lot of rift, before, uh, rift between the common people and the police. And I think this very much amplified currently. And But what the police is trying to do is they are trying to do better PR. Um, what is funny, they... So they... <laughs> So this is ex-TV anchor. He worked for TVB. TVB being one of the most pro-establishment TV stations out there. And he he's now a police. And what they've done uh, comically, to my taste, is that they've sent him to this, you know, uh, assignment where he would, you know, um, act as a reporter and tell you what is happening. And they actually sent a camera crew... And they live stream on, on Facebook and on everything. And that to me is deeply worrying because they are trying a different tactic. They're trying to um, not only be a player in, in you know law enforcement, they are trying to be a player in the narrative and in the rhetorics. And that's kind of worrying for me. Yeah, that is very... <laughs> I don't want to say it again, but that's very Stalin-esque, right? Like that whole, like, let's just fake it and do all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? That is very odd. It, it's funny to some extent, though. You know, it's like, it's funny that you try. Because uh, they've actually covered a few protests when there were still protests happening uh, late last year. And it's interesting because their camera is actually just pointing at uh, the journalists because the journalists would be filming the police and what they were doing most of the time and also film I mean they always say it's unfair because the media only films the police which is not the case you know judging by the abundance of footage of protesters doing stuff definitely not the case everywhere no, you know the but the police is was very much shooting <laughs> at the you know, with the cameras at the at the media, which I was thought was very funny. It's it's funny in a very Adam Curtis sense, you know. Yeah, no, definitely. I can see the funny side of it. I guess the worry is though that essentially they're kind of been sent by the state. You know what I mean? And I think even though that is funny, it tells you what the state wants people to see. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's very much them trying to set up this new narrative and they have been trying to push this fake news thing 
um, in in the in in the among the pro-establishment side of the lawmakers, they've been pushing a fake news law, and also the police have been doing all this campaign about fake news and what they see is the truth and what is not, and so the worrying thing is that the government is actually going to do this. You know, they're going to set up a, a fake news law. Which I think is a thing in in Singapore. What would the fake news law be? Like, what do they want to do with that? Honestly, we don't know because there's no provisions. It's not an actual um, law or actual text you can read. Uh, right now, it's more like a, a a gimmick or like a you know a, a punch punchline, you know, or like a just a thing. You know, they they throw it out and they 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 suggest is it should be done. Um, the same thing happened to when they tried to push for a law against uh, insulting police officers. And so, um, but they didn't need to do that now, right? But uh, for the fake news law, you know, it's very much uh, uncertain. But there, there is some law like that in Singapore. And so one can only judge from that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not a good sign at all. Um, maybe just uh, explain to us what the situation now is politically, because like you know, all the all the main um, lawmakers, we we saw that situation where people were literally dragged out of uh, the parliament. We did an episode about that. What has replaced them? Okay, so the current situation is that the legislative council is half empty because the pro democracy politicians quit. And then they were arrested, basically. So now the parliament is half empty. But there hasn't been a re-election because there was supposed to be an election last year, which they postponed because of COVID. And during COVID, the government uh, reenacted new laws or changed up the rules of the election um, such that they, they have reduced the number of people who are directly elected but bumped up the people who are elected by, you know, different functional constituency in Hong Kong, which is uh, mostly dominated by pro-government uh, politicians. So they basically, you know, uh, judging from the results of uh, 2019 elections, where they uh, the pro-democracy uh, camp won 80 plus percent of the seats, you know, I think they very much judge from that experience and say, this is not going to work out in our favor. And so what can we do in the meantime? So they postponed the election, changed up the law, such that in the coming election, they probably would, you know, have no problem winning most of the seats. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that would be a, a, a struggle for them if that situation happens. Um, yeah, it's, it's not looking great. Um, is there anything else you, you want to mention about Hong Kong before we wrap this one up? One thing I'd like to note is how on Twitter I saw a lot of people throwing shit at the, the protesters because they waved like the US flag. You know, a lot of tankies were upset with that. Um, yeah, I like, you know, the, th the problem is that, you know, a lot of these things are misinterpreted in, in um, once it's taken out of context. You know, in fact, a lot of these people don't even know what that entails because they haven't had you know a lot of um intense you know education in politics they don't even know what is you know uh reactionary they don't they they can't really tell what is 
what does it mean to be a right winger, you know? So, yeah, just people should, you know, know the context before they make a lot of judgments on, on things like that. Well, well, yeah, no, no, totally. I had a little bit of a back and forth online with some, you know, frankly, stupid, you know, tankies, in my opinion. They're, they're dumb, they're dumb people, scum and dumb, like awful people. Um, you know, and these people saying, look, oh, they're, they're flying the American flag and, and all of this stuff. Um, and even other people that weren't even tankies, like, oh, why are they flying the American flag? It's like, look, yeah. they're in Hong Kong. A very powerful government, the CCP, wants to take away their freedoms, which we are seeing happening right now, so they weren't wrong, and they are going, which country maybe will help us? Maybe the US will. Okay, let's fly the US flag. Let's try and get the attention of some Americans. Why the fuck should they care if that triggers some fucking internet political idiots? Why should they care? Their fucking freedoms and their lives are at threat. Oh no, don't put the American flag up. Some people on Twitter might get angry. Fuck anyone that's saying that, you know? And there's other people that were saying, well, yeah, they want a revolution, but, you know, they just want, like, a neoliberal order. So fucking what? So what if that's what they want? I'm not saying that's what I want. I'm not saying that's what anyone should want. Who gives a fuck? It's up to them. Their lives are in danger. They're on the front line fighting. You don't get to say what you fucking want their revolution to be about from the fucking safety of your Manhattan apartment, you know? These people make me sick. And they don't know about conflict. Yeah. It's the worst thing when these like tanky fucking idiots think they can talk about war they can't they need to shut the fuck up and stay in manhattan that's what i gotta say about them but you know what i mean it was very enraging for me to be on the ground seeing this shit on twitter and then to i actually said in our documentary i said to one lad i was like i was like oh people are calling you fascist because you have the american flags up and his response was he literally laughed he was like what he's like this is ridiculous like you know and it's like yeah exactly it's ridiculous what all that internet chatter it's like 1% of the world, if that, you know? Yeah, and, and I've, I've seen people almost beating up a guy for raising a colonial flag, you know, the colonial British Hong Kong flag. For that, you know, they don't, they don't care about that. They don't see that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just be a little bit more understanding, try to read a bit more before judging. You know, that's what I want to say. Absolutely. Um, and good luck out there, man. Just just to have it on the record, you know, I, I don't want to get you in trouble. You're happy for us to put this out. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. No, no worries about that. All right, man. Well, good luck out there, man. Um, thank you very much for doing this. This is really interesting. Uh, good talking to you, Jake. That was Locke, a local reporter in Hong Kong, still in Hong Kong, giving us an idea of the country kind of post failed uprising if you like doesn't look like a good situation if you like what we're doing here at popular front please do consider supporting us at patreon.com slash popular front you get bonus episodes access to the community discord you can get your name credited in episodes and on documentaries um narrated articles we've got a whole series up there that's patreon only uh, yeah, there's loads of stuff there. Patreon.com slash Popular Front. Remember, we are 100% grassroots. We do not accept money from any corporate sponsorship or anyone that treats their staff like shit or anything like that. Uh, sponsors uh, this episode, uh, Oracle Coffee Shop in Portland, Oregon, USA. 
They're an independent coffee business selling only fair trade products. See them at 3875 Southwest Bond Avenue 97239. Tell them Popular Front sent you. The episode is also sponsored by Grindcore House, a pair of independent coffee shops in Philadelphia, USA, one in South, one in West. Find them on socials at Grindcore House. The episode is also sponsored by Propagandopolis, an outlet selling and writing about historical conflict propaganda from around the world. Buy prints at propagandopolis.com. Use the promo code POPULARFRONT10 for 10% off. Um, find us on uh, social media, Instagram, it's either at popular.front or at popularfront underscore. Um, popular front underscore is the backup. Uh, yeah, Instagram.com slash popular dot front. Twitter is popular front co. YouTube, YouTube.com slash popular front. Uh, if you want to follow uh, me on anything, anywhere, just uh, at Jake underscore Hanrahan, H A N R A H A N. What else? Uh, music in this episode, the intro was by Home. And the outro was by Sam Black. You can hear his music at samblackpf.com. Thank you to the high-tier Patreons. Uh, they are Dan Ross, Thumper, Lisa Milligram, Milgram, sorry, uh, Lupita Valenz, Bradley Davies, Pete, uh, Pete Hesher, RX, A. Nickel, Manny, Travis Lieberman, Cherry, Ben Marshall, Dallas Dunn, LD50 Seattle, MJ, K Glitter Vulcan, Meredith Waters, Bethany Swoveland, Adam H, Larson 8669, Karante, Bjorn Kirsten, Diamond Steen, Jacob, Michael O'Connor, Zach Picard, Todd Cravens, Alexander, Nicholas Butter, Ron Swanson, JD, Jav, Ian Froese, James Colley, Tynan Dali, Michael Akakan, Ethan, Fitz Madrid, Ed Coulthard, Johnny LaFleur, uh, Clayton Taylor, Mike Barone, Ben, Liam Williams, Chris Cusimano, Degenerate Zero Alpha, Giorgio Arani, DR, Trey Nance, Amy R, Rubicon, Frank Austin, Amelia Me, Nawaiz, Christina Rivetti, Freya Northman, Ali Hunter, Moody Al Rashid, Bill Wilson, Andrew Hurley, Vida Provost, Brian McLaughlin, Tom Lochrin, Young Wasabi, Tony Bin, Adam Bergsnyder, JL, Stephen Davila, Anthony Kabarak, Dan Dunham, Fletcher Tate, Chad Walker, Dinah Govnek, Lawrence Abrahams, Peter McCormack, Emily Molly, Axel Iverson, Christopher Martin, Ryan Sandercock, and Maurice Zumbul. Thank you all so much. Without you lot, honestly, I would not be able to keep this afloat. Like I said, we do not take corporate sponsorship or any of that fucking nonsense. Um, thank you very much. Please do support us at patreon.com slash popularfront.